Welcome to Living Yin, a podcast series that seeks to enlighten you about yin yoga, Chinese medicine, philosophy, and meditation. I'm Truth Robinson, and I'm a doctor of Chinese medicine and a yin yoga and meditation teacher. This podcast series seeks to unite the yin yoga practice, the anatomical theory that surrounds it, and the Chinese medicine theory which brings it all to life. My goal is to demystify Chinese medicine and to offer anatomical concepts in a digestible way, as well as offering philosophy for you to go deeper into the layers of your own consciousness. In this episode, we're going to look at the concepts of yin and yang, by far the most important in Chinese medicine. Everything from diagnosis, function and treatment will have their foundations in yin-yang theory. At its core, the theory is simple, however, the application is continually evolving and being presented in new ways. Just letting you know, this podcast was actually released secretly a week before the public release. If you'd like to get your hands on this podcast or YouTube classes a week earlier than everybody else, all you need to do is head over to livingin.com, subscribe to the mailing list, and get an exclusive sneak preview delivered fresh into your mailbox a week before everybody else. Let's take a look at where this theory comes from. Before being integrated within Chinese medicine theory, yin-yang was originally a foundational concept in the school of yin and yang, or as it's known, the naturalist school. The school was founded by a guy called Zhao Yan between 200 and 300 BCE, which occurred during the Warring States period. This is a period of really great disruption and upheaval in China, which resulted in significant competition and subsequently quite a lot of innovation. The author Needham considers yin-yang to be so significant that it provides the basis of scientific thought in China. Under Zhao Yan, we experience the first amalgamation of yin-yang with the five elements or phases which are wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. Cool, so we know the history, but this isn't most of the population's personal experience with yin-yang. That history is quite different. It's with the faded yin-yang tattoos on somebody's leg or flashbacks to good old martial arts movies. This seemingly immortal symbol, though, has survived throughout the millennia, penetrating every level of popular culture and becoming synonymous with martial arts, Chinese medicine, Taoist philosophy, and Chinese culture in general. But what does this character truly mean? The characters for yin-yang really actually are quite simple. They just mean the sunny and shady sides of a hill. But this doesn't help us understand their actions and relationship. For that, we need to look deeper into the symbology of yin-yang. The symbol called Tai Chi Tu. You have to forgive my pronunciation if you speak Mandarin. I'm sure I butchered that. <laughs> anyway... Regardless, most people will definitely be able to bring the symbol to mind, but for those who can't, it is a circle organically divided into black and white halves, with each half having a tiny little circle of black and white in each of the opposing colours. 
This is perfect to show that even within the duality of life, the opposite is always present. The whole symbol in its completeness is Tao, which is the unity of all things. But as we look closer at this oneness, that is, all things, we can begin to see the separate parts. And we see the polar opposites of interrelated phenomena. Now that's quite an important term. The polar opposites of interrelated phenomena, which are at the same time competing with each other, but also completely dependent on each other for harmony. We cannot simply reduce yin or yang to any one material object, uh, to a force or a metaphysical concept. Rather, they are labels to describe how things work in relation to each other. This is the way the universe works. Yin-yang depicts the universe in a constant state of change, flux and flow, as opposed to the static oneness of the whole, as seen from the outside if you were to step back and look at the universe as one. When we hear the statement that the universe is created through the interaction of yin-yang, we can begin to see this as simply the label we place upon the interaction between the interrelated phenomena. Let me explain this a little bit more. Weather is produced between the interaction of hot and cold. In this example, try and replace the words hot or heat with yang and cold and cooling with yin. The sun increases heat to the cold earth and water, then the air expands and rises. With this increasing yang, we get evaporation and wind. This creates the phenomena that we call weather. When there is too much warmth already in the ocean, then this is considered an excess of yang, and so we experience extreme yang events like cyclones and hurricanes. That is, we will experience an imbalance in yin and yang. If the ocean wasn't too hot, and so cold enough to counteract the warmth of the sun, then we wouldn't get extreme yang weather events as yin and yang would be harmonious. So we begin to see the shifting parts within the whole that gives birth to all phenomena. As the heat turns to cold, and the cold turns to heat, the two parts are always shifting dynamically and in relation to each other, but at the same time compete and also harmonize with the other. So we can see yin-yang is not a thing, rather labels to help describe the interaction of interrelated phenomena. This is described in a much more poetic way in Ilzevith's translation of the Huangdi Nei Jing, a really important foundational text in Chinese medicine. Heaven was created by an accumulation of yang. The earth was created by an accumulation of yin. Water and fire are symbols of yin-yang. Yin-yang are the source of power and the beginning of creation. Yang ascends to heaven, yin descends to earth. Hence the universe represents motion and rest, controlled by the wisdom of nature. Nature grants the power to beget and to grow, to harvest and to store, to finish and to begin anew. Although poetic, this is a very physiological representation of yin-yang. It discusses heaven or yang as a representation of spirit, and earth, or yin, represents the material, substance, or like flesh. 
The coming together of yin-yang is the beginning of creation, just as we see the spirit animate and bring life to this dull flesh of ours. This also describes the more generalized definition which is widely understood. We would say, yang is the functional aspects, and yin is the quality of structure or substance. The last few sentences of the previous quote describes the process of nature as a cycle, showing that even in their opposites that yin-yang still represents the totality of existence, the completion of all the life cycles. You have been listening to Living Yin, a podcast by Truth Robinson. Yin-yang offer us more than a physical way to look at the world, but also a philosophical way to look inwards as well. As we see the macrocosm reflected in the microcosm, we can see the cycles of nature play out emotionally and psychologically as well. We can experience times when we are more excited and hot, and times when we are more cool and somber. Reflecting on the yin-yang relationship, we can begin to see that change is part of the natural law. What goes up must come down. In the flux and flow of yin-yang nature, we are bound to feel down at some point. But as is the law of yin-yang, the point of change from yin to yang and vice versa is only through the interaction with the opposite. Only when hot interacts with cold, when happy mixes with sadness, can yang move to yin. Yin yang are always contradictory, but at the same time harmonious and totally dependent on the other to transform it from its current state. The yin yang philosophy also provides an appreciation of how light cannot exist without darkness, or darkness without light. If we only knew light, and no darkness, then we couldn't have the celebration of a sunrise each and every morning, as the beautiful illuminating golden orb emerges from the darkness. So the moment we experience sadness is simply the opposite and balancing experience to happiness. They are the moments that make happiness so much more the sweeter. They are the darkness which make the beautiful moments of sunrise so different from the constant light of day. We begin to be reminded that opposing emotional experiences can and should live in harmony with each other. Instead of rejecting one experience and favoring another, we should rather appreciate them as part of the whole. Our opposing emotions compete for space in our lives, but ultimately they cooperate by contradicting the other to make each emotional experience more defined and so our lives become the richer for it. This concept is described in verse 2 of Lao Tzu's Tao Te Ching translated by MacDonald. When people see things as beautiful, ugliness is created. When people see things as good, evil is created. Being and non-being produce each other. Difficult and easy complement each other. Long and short define each other. High and low oppose each other. Before and after follow each other. Therefore the master can act without doing anything and teach without saying a word. 
Things come her way, and she does not stop them. Things leave, and she lets them go. She has without possessing, and acts without any expectations. When her work is done, she takes no credit. That is why it will last forever. Ah, oh, beautiful. We can see in this verse that it discusses in detail the pairs of opposites as they exist, but is not defining the pairs of opposites as specific things. Rather, it's describing it as a point of view of how we see the world. In verse 20 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by English and Feng, it says, Is there a difference between yes and no? Is there a difference between good and evil? This is a very interesting question. What defines good? We all think we are good people, right? But how do you know that you're not doing evil things? Our way of interacting with each other is defined by our government and by our religions. But our current government system is very different to another country's government system or even another time in history. Let's take the death penalty as an example. Is taking a life an evil thing to do? This really depends on your perspective, I guess. The killer did something so evil that they deserved it, right? Therefore, the death penalty is just and good. But then others would believe that no one deserves to lose their life, and so the death penalty would be evil. Okay, that's an easier example to answer. But what about something a little bit simpler, like stealing some bread? It may be evil from the point of view of the person who had their bread stolen from them. Perhaps it's the straw that broke the camel's back to put them into financial hardship. Perhaps they now experience the feeling of hurt that arises from being stolen from. But that bread may go to feeding hungry children, and the parent had no other choice, and so will experience that act as good and kind. So really, evil or wrong is defined as a viewpoint that opposes our own viewpoint. Again, yin-yang is not a thing, it's merely our perspective. Now comes the horrible truth, I'm afraid. If evil is simply a perspective, are we all evil? Now bear with me and do a little mental meditation for me. Think of an evil action, something you would never do, and then imagine yourself doing it. Are you doing it? Are you thinking about it? Go on, try it, try it. Just try it with me. I'll give you a moment. Now make it clear in your mind and experience the feeling of doing it. How do you feel now? What was the thought that came straight after that evil thought? And of course you're going to feel some guilt and remorse. But was it another evil thought that came? Or did you eventually generate a good thought? An idea of what you'd rather do, a way you'd make amends. Now here comes another horrible truth, I'm afraid. We are only good because we are evil. Remember, yin only turns to yang when it interacts with its opposites. We're only good people because that evil part of us exists. Remember, there is always a dot of yang in the sea of yin and vice versa. 
In this way, evil is an integral part of us and society. We don't know what we would do if we'd been pushed to it. Most of us live in a relatively easygoing and calm society where everything is taken care of. We don't have to fight for the things that you need on a basic level. So what would we do if we were pushed to it? Would that evil person finally come out? Evil will at the same time create harmony, compete for space in our lives, but ultimately make the opposing emotional so much more richer. Changsha discusses this when he writes, Everything can be a that, everything can be a this. That comes from this, and this comes from that. Which means that and this give birth to one another. When there is no more separation between that and this, it is called being one with Tao. This experience of living with the pairs of opposites creates a whole existence. Good, bad, happy, sad, wealthy, poor, here, there, now and then, and the most important one, you and me. Tao has been separated into its separate parts, which is a blessing because if we were all one, squished up into one tiny little dot without the experience of separation and so opposing parts, then we wouldn't get to experience feeling wealthy, healthy, a sunrise, or even falling in love. But for all of this to exist as an experience, then the opposite must also exist and be experienced. As we shift our perspective to slowly blur the lines that separate the yin-yang parts of the oneness or the yin-yang parts of the universe, at that very moment we can begin to transcend the feeling of being separate and arrive back into the experience of oneness, this oneness that is Tao. You have been listening to Living Yin, a podcast by Truth Robinson. Yin-yang, then, is a way of seeing the world, not as separate, but to begin to see the harmonious and opposing aspects of all existence. We begin to see how all things are mutually arising with each other. And instead of getting fixated on a point of view or a feeling that may be rooted in lack or fear, we begin to notice that the opposing and harmonizing aspects will always arise for us at some point. Something can only be filled if it's first empty. And the destiny of an empty vessel is to be filled. So what we are experiencing now is simply a perspective that makes the other so much sweeter when we do finally get to experience it. This is an idea that can be applied in the experience of interpersonal relationships. When we see others in their darker times, which may pain us to experience, and this could be from a first-hand interaction, or when we simply observe them in their darkness when we're watching them, that we know that there will be, by definition, a mutually arising light. And this will come from their experience at some point. The sunrise can only exist because of the night that existed before it. Moment by moment and slowly, slowly, we begin to move beyond seeing the separateness, but instead rest in the unity and oneness of all things 
and through our experience of opposing interrelated phenomena, that is, the mutually arising yin-yang, we arrive back into the oneness, back into Tao. Tune in next time as I unpack the concept of the five elements in Chinese medicine. We'll see how poetry and reality collide to create a metaphorical understanding of the world. We'll see how it describes not only the environmental and life cycles, but also our physiological and emotional experience. Just another heads up, this podcast was actually released secretly a week before the public release. If you'd like to get your hands on this podcast or YouTube classes a week earlier than everybody else, all you need to do is head over to livingin.com, subscribe to the mailing list, and get an exclusive sneak preview delivered fresh into your mailbox a week before everybody else. Thanks for joining me. I'm Truth Robinson. You can follow me on Instagram at Truth Robinson, or if you'd like to train with me, go to livingyin.com. One last thing, by submitting a review on iTunes, you're giving the gift of this podcast to so many other people. And even though I love seeing all the beautiful reviews, and I really do, it's way more exciting to know that your review is now stimulating so many yin yoga journeys all around the world. That has to be the easiest gift you have ever given.